Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. My name is Matthew Hawkins. Super excited to be standing here and to jump into this awesome series that was kicked off last Sunday, the online sermon series. Pastor Caleb did a phenomenal job. If you missed it, um, you definitely want to go to dsbc.church and check it out. It was phenomenal. He talked about how to fight fair. And today, 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 we are going to talk about how to have authentic relationships in light of the digital age. Is it possible to have real relationships um, in light of social media? Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, the list goes on and on. Before I jump in, I should tell you, if you're a Jesus follower or you are still trying to figure out who Jesus is, um, this is a a very, excuse me, a very applicable conversation to many of us because statistically speaking, about 2.4, 2.5 billion people every month are on Facebook. Um, Well over 100 million folks on Instagram constantly, and about a third of the world um, spends a lot of time on social media uh, every day. That's, that's a whole lot of people. And some of you might be saying, hey, well, cool for those billions of folks, but I don't really engage in any of this social media stuff. I'm glad you are thinking that. We all, have sent an email before, or we've sent a text message, or we've punted the opportunity to connect with someone face-to-face, and we've done something along the lines of, I'll try to come up with a passive-aggressive way to actually get results. So this is a conversation that's gonna hit all of our hearts. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time talking about social media, I'm not an expert, but I am going to spend a good amount of time talking about what scripture says having to do with relationships. And then towards the end, we'll talk a little bit about how we can apply this to um, the digital age. Before I do any of that, let me tell a quick story. In an article, Forbes article, Um, I read a a true story about a mom and her daughter. It read like this. On a crisp Friday, Friday afternoon, Sharon exchanged text messages with her daughter, who was in college at the time. They chatted back and forth, mom asking how things were going, and, and the daughter answering with positive statements, followed by emojis, Those are, for those who don't know, they're like these little tiny pictures, like smiley faces and all those things. For those um, who don't know, like I I just said, she she responds with emojis, these smiley faces, showing big smiles, hearts, um, appearing to be happy. Later that night, her daughter, her daughter attempted suicide. In the days that followed, it came to light that she'd been in her dorm room crying and showing signs of intense depression. A completely different reality from the one that she conveyed via text messages, 
emails with her mom, on Facebook posts, and on tweets. Just like the daughter, we are most unsatisfied when we are not known. Doesn't matter who you are, how tough you are, strong you are, how smart you are, how much money you have, how much money you don't have, we all need relationship. Frankly, that's the way that we were wired. That's, that's the way that God made us. Whether you're a Jesus follower or you're not a Jesus follower, you know and I know that, that after a certain amount of time, you start to feel, well, you start to feel alone. This crazy mood or this crazy feeling of ain't nobody around. <laughs> we were remade according to God's word. We were remade in mercy, not to survive in isolation, but to thrive in gospel-centered relationships. I'll say it again, and I'm going to say it a couple of times throughout this talk. We were remade, or we were born again, in mercy, in love, not to survive in isolation, but to thrive in gospel-centered relationships. First Peter chapter 2, 4 through 10. If you have a Bible or if you have the app, version app, or if you just want to Google First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 10, and if you're reading the Christian Standard Version, you'll see these words. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. All right, here's, here's the big part right here. Listen to this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. We were remade in mercy, not to survive in isolation, but to thrive in gospel-centered relationships. This online sermon series is huge. It's massive. Look at the person next to you and say massive. Oh, that was weak. Oh my gosh. Come on, guys, say massive. massive. Okay, this is, this is huge. Why is it so huge? Because 
so many relationships often are being ruined because when people need authentic connection, oftentimes we're punting with social media being a surrogate. We're, we're, we're reusing texting or we're using direct messages or, or, or we're, we're, we're using these more passive means of communication as a substitute for face-to-face, heart-to-heart, human-to-human interaction. And you've seen the statistics, you've, you've heard them. A lot of, a whole lot of communication, a large percentage of our ability to communicate is predicated, it's, it's, it's based on nonverbal communication. It's, it's based on facial expressions. It's, it's, it's based on tone of voice. And no matter how many emojis, no matter how many smiley faces, no, no matter how many words that you put before the email, it can't really communicate the weight of what you're trying to say. And just like posting a passive aggressive post on a social media platform, for some of you more non-social media people, <laughs> the same exact thing, the, the whole passive aggressive post that, that, that you put out there to communicate something and you don't use the person's name, but, but you know who you're thinking about. That same mindset, that same heart is what they do in corporate all the time. They attach 10 people. They CC 10 people to that email. You know what I'm talking about. They put 10 different names on that email and sometimes they BCC so everybody else won't know who's actually on it. And they rip people apart via email. Of course, you guys have never done that. But, the, but the, the, the seriousness or the importance of this conversation cannot be overstated. If I can push it. Discussing how to live out the gospel in a digital age is necessary because if we want to have global impact, we have to know how to navigate the waters of where this is going. There's a lot of people on these platforms, tons of people on these platforms. And just to say that I don't do that or I don't engage or I'm taking a break is to say that there are tons of people that you could potentially have access to, but because you've just x this off of your radar, we're forfeiting a lot of that access, potentially. Before we figure out social media and, 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 and how vital it is to, to set some ground rules or, or get some perspective on, on relationships, we have to figure out what the heck it means to be human and in a relationship. This passage in Peter 2, 4 through 10 gives us a beautiful picture of what it looks like to find our identity in God and in God alone. I'll say it again. For the verse to say, we are a royal priesthood. We are 
a holy nation. For the verse, for the writer, for God to speak to the writer and communicate that gives us a massive clue as to what it means to be in relationship. Number one, if I'm gonna be a Jesus follower and I'm gonna be effective in a relationship, I have to know, number one, whose family I'm in. I gotta know who I am. I gotta know what I'm a part of. I gotta know where I come from. And in this text, it says, to me, and if you're a Jesus follower, it says to you that you are a part of God's family. Somebody should have shouted there. I got one person back there. Hallelujah, brother. What has this got to do with relationships? What is God's family? What is royal priesthood, bro? I'm not getting it. I'm not putting the connection together. I don't know what this is. And why is it so important for me to know where I come from or, or who I am or, or this, this idea of God's family? I just want to have friends. I just want to have fun. Check this out. If you don't know who you are, you're going to just accept anything. Have you ever been in a toxic, a toxic relationship? I don't want you to start testifying and telling all your business here. All right. Ooh, girl, let me tell you. This is... No, no, no. Okay. It's a rhetorical question. But from some of your groans and some of your, mm, it tells me, yes, you have been in a toxic relationship. Why was it toxic? What was broken about it? I'll tell you, without telling all my business, the toxic relationships that I've been in and my part in the drama really stem from me not knowing who I was. In this passage, in this scripture, it screams to us, it screams to those folks that he's writing to and he's telling them while you're going through persecution, they're being physically abused, they're being marginalized. These are Jesus followers during the early church and they're being marginalized. They're, they are the minority. These are these weird people that are saying, for Jesus I live and for Jesus I'll die and, 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 and I'm gonna give my life. I, I'm, I'm willing to be martyred. I'm willing to, 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 to be pushed out for this man named Jesus that, that, that seemed on the surface to be an average guy from Nazareth, but in reality, he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. They put nails in his hands. They put nails in his feet. He was beat. He was, he was abused. He was crucified. They took him off of the cross, dead Jesus, dead body Jesus, and they put him in a borrowed tomb. And we believe, this is what they were saying, we believe that this guy, Jesus, resurrected from the grave. Not only do we believe that he resurrected from the grave, but we believe that we actually saw him with our own eyes, eating fish, kicking it, hanging it, hanging out for weeks and months after he resurrected from the grave. And we believe not only was he a dude that was able to resurrect from the grave, but he was a God man. He was a God dude. He was 100% dude. 
dude and 100% God. And he had all power. And he came to save us from our sins. This is weird. It's so weird. It was so weird during that time. They thought it was a political uprising. And so they said, we're going to persecute these people. We're, we're going to marginalize these people. We're going to push these people to the edges of society. And we're going to murder them because they are weird. And what the writer is saying to these weird Jesus following people is that just because it's crazy around you doesn't mean that you have no hope. The writer is saying to these Jesus followers that even though it's chaotic around you, focus on the Christ over the chaos. Focus on who Jesus is and who God is and what that means to you. And so he writes, you are a royal priesthood. Doesn't mean you're a king. Don't start walking around saying, I'm queen, I'm king. No, 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 no. It means that you're connected to the king. It means that you're connected to something bigger than yourself, so strong and so powerful that come hell or high water, come drama, persecution, uh, opposition, whatever it is, it cannot define you because the king has already defined you. That's the truth. That's the truth. If you say you're a Jesus follower, that's what we believe. Somebody says, well, I read in the text, it said holy nation. What does that mean? I'm not quite holy all the time. Doesn't mean that you never make a mistake. It means that because of Christ and his righteousness, his holiness, his ability not to make a mistake, to never sin, I have been positionally changed. I was the ratchet, ruined, dirty, filthy Matthew. But then when I met Jesus, I got a brand new position. I'm a part of a holy nation. And it's because of the king that's over the nation that makes me holy. We are a new race. That's not talking about ethnicity. It's not talking about black and white, even though I'm black and beautiful. And that's important, it's important, but they're talking about the two major races, something bigger than the fact that you're Irish or, 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 or the fact that you are Italian or the fact that I'm African-American. It's something bigger than that. Talking about two major races. There is born and then there's born again. Ooh, that old school church just came up in me. There's born and then there's born again. Y'all don't have to get excited. I'm already excited. There's, there's born and then there's born again. No disrespect. If you're far from Jesus, you are in the right place. You have an opportunity to ask very serious questions to learn about. The, I'm glad you're here to learn about this man named Jesus. I'm glad you're here. To be born means that you came in, just like all of us, we came into the world from mommy and daddy. We had a natural birth. To be born again means that after the natural birth, we needed to accept Jesus into our lives, to accept what Jesus did on the cross, to accept the fact that we are forever messing up over and over and over again, and we can't get out of our own way. We keep tripping over ourselves, and we needed something greater than us to stop the cycle. 
We were dirty and no matter what soap, no matter what dove, no matter what shower we applied, it didn't work. We needed a savior. And so to be born again says, I used to be just born, but now I'm being made over again because I'm tired of this life. I don't wanna keep messing up and being nasty and filthy. I need, I need help. I need to get healed. I need to be changed. That, that's to accept the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so a new life in Jesus means that you have benefits. You got privileges. And one of the major privileges of being a Jesus follower is to be in God's family. But if I can push it, let me push it. Not only does scripture teach us that we are a part of God's family and that we have eternal significance, that, that, that we have a home with Jesus, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it's not just for the here and now, but it's also for the here and after. Not only that, but scripture talks a ton about friendship. Part of God's family but it's also important for you to know that you need good friends. If you're gonna navigate this online age, this digital age, you gotta know who you are in God and as a member of God's family, but also you need good friends. Somebody say good friends. Oh, I need some good friends. I'll read it, I didn't make it up. I didn't make it up, I didn't make this up says in Proverbs 27, 9, we perish without a friend. Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Here's the kicker right here. But a companion of fools suffers harm. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that he may lay down his life for his friends. We are at our best when we can rest in real relationships. We are at our best. I'm not a rapper. I'm just trying to help you remember it. We are at our best when we can rest in real relationships. Here's something that's huge. We put a lot of stock in work relationships because it's connected to money. We put a ton of stock in family tradition and family relationships because we know that blood and biology has us stuck together forever. Whether I like him or not, that's my brother. Whether she get on my last good nerve or not, that's my sister. Whether she's so annoying, that's my mama. I can't unmommy her. That's my mama. I can say that's not my mama, but that's my mama. Whether he's embarrassing and obnoxious and, and doesn't take social cues well, that's my dad. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dang it. You didn't choose those. A lot of us don't choose who we work with. A lot of us don't choose. None of us have chosen our family members. But friendship is different. We choose friends. 
And scripture takes friendship very seriously, which is why the, the writers in Proverbs says, caution, 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 eh, 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 before you choose friends. You might want to think about who you're connecting yourself with. But it pushes it. It says that technically we aren't really choosing friends. It's not technically friendship. If you're choosing people to be your friends, that means that there's some other motive. It's like a business relationship. Real authentic friendship is actually discovered. C.S. Lewis smarter man than I am. He's a theologian. I'm going to paraphrase, but he says it like this. Real, authentic friendship begins when you say, oh, you like that too? C.S. Lewis, very simple, says real, authentic friendship begins when two people figure out that they have the same interests. Not, I'm going to pick up golf because you play golf and, and I'm going to get a deal out of this. <laughs> not, not, I'm, I'm going to start wearing this lip gloss because the people that I like wear this lip gloss and I want to be accepted. No, 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 no. Two independent interests happen to be the same. Two people happen to be different folks, same interests. They meet Paths cross. They discover that there's something in common. There's a common mission. There's a common goal. There's somewhere that we're going. That's the start of friendship. Now, the way that friendship is sustained, the way that a healthy friendship is sustained or forged is by these four things. And I'm going somewhere for those who are waiting for me to talk about online and social media and all that. Real, true friendship is discovered first, forged second. How do you forge a friendship? Constancy. It's a word. Google it. <laughs> a friend loves at all times through the good and the bad. You cannot be a friend without availability, without being dependable, without showing up. No disrespect to your Facebook friends, your Snapchat friends, your emailing friends, all the above. But if my mom passes away, I love the messages, but I need somebody to show up. I'm just talking for me. I'm just speaking from my own perspective. My real friends, I mean my real friends. I mean for real, for real, my real friends, I need my real friends to physically be there. And if for some reason they can't physically get there, I need them to check in. I need them to, whatever you would need during that time from a real friend, I need the same thing. Constancy, to be dependable, to show up, to be loyal. Secondly, carefulness to know about their inner workings, enough to know that what you just said or what you were thinking about saying probably ain't gonna go well. Carefulness. If I asked you about certain things that your mother didn't appreciate you saying, I'm sure you could give me a list. 
If I ask you certain things that your brother hates when you bring up and that you have to be sensitive about or you have to be careful about, I'm sure you could give me a list. If I ask you about your youngest kid, what they don't like and what you need to be careful about. It's like my daughter. She had this blankie thing, you know? Oh, I hated that blanket. But you just can't walk up to her and take the blanket any kind of way. You got to be careful. You could get bit. You could get yelled at. You could, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Could, you got to be careful. Now, we know this. We know this. Intrinsically, we know this. But for some reason in relationships, we can be reckless. Scripture teaches for us to be gentle, for us to be patient. I love 1 Corinthians 13. It says that we need to be long-suffering. That's an old-school word, long-suffering. Who can guess what that means? To suffer long. <laughs> oh. Constancy, carefulness, candor. And this is, how, this is why friendship is tough, because candor is the total opposite of being careful sometimes. Carefulness is like kind of, in my mind, kind of walking on eggshells, strategically being careful and patient. Candor is like, we got to sit down. We got to have a conversation. Has anybody ever came to you and said, hey, we need to talk? Doesn't something just happen inside of you? I don't know about you, but somebody says, hey, we need to talk. I'm like, dang it, what did I say? What did I do wrong, Jesus? You know me, I'm always saying something, dang it. Something happens in your stomach or some of you guys get tense up here and, and in your head, uh, because you know some level of honesty is about to come to punch you in the face. Or you haven't done anything wrong, but clearly that person feels like you have, and you're going to have to push back a little bit. And for some of us in the room, that's not a comfortable place to be in. It's not fun. Don't like confrontation. I've had thousands, millions of talks. Mentors, brothers in Christ, other pastors, my dad, my wife my kids, tons of these talks. And, and, and what are these designed to do? What is candor for? Candor is to bring truth in a very chaotic situation, very tentious, tension-filled situation. Hopefully, if the person delivering the information actually loves and cares about the one that they're communicating with, hopefully it's for the good of the relationship. Truth-telling. It's the opposite of being careful. But then there's another one. Counsel. The ability to tell your business. <laughs> tell secrets. Friendship is vital because we need all four of these. I know you got to do the business plan. I know you need to get into college. I know that, that you're trying to retire in peace and just go play golf and be left alone. I get it. I understand. But all of us need friends. 
Why do I need friends, man? Because you need candor. You need constancy. You, you, you need someone that's loyal to you. You need someone to be careful with you and you need to be careful with them. And you definitely need counsel. I'll say it like this. This probably doesn't apply to any of you because you guys are all perfect in here. But I got secrets, people. I got secrets. And there are men of God. There are brothers in the faith. There are friends that I can go to right now and tell everything. I'm talking about everything. Y'all can keep looking at me. That's okay. Just keep looking right at me. I'm talking about tell everything. Stuff I don't even want my wife to know. I don't want my kids to know. I don't want y'all to know. I can tell. Listen, if you don't have a friend to tell everything to, Jesus is my friend. That's great. And in his word, he says, you need a friend. If you don't have it, eventually this stuff is just going to compound. It's going to just build and build and multiply and multiply and multiply in such a way that it's going to be too much to carry, too much to hold. Like the girl, the story that I told earlier, she was living a weird, fake life with her mother. Emojis, happy faces, everything's great, mom, college, woohoo, awesome. But in reality, she was dying inside. There's so many people that live in our neighborhoods, that are in our families, that are in our small groups, that are in our Bible studies, that, that, that are co-work. They are co-work. They are grandkids. They, they are nieces and nephews. They are our besties. And they're dying inside. What does this have to do with Facebook? That's my question. <laughs> it's a great question. I'm glad you're asking that. That's, I'm going to say the same thing to you. What the heck does this have to do with social media? How in the world can I get, get someone to be careful and to, 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 to be honest and, and me be honest with them and to, to be able to share secrets with one another? How does that work? How do I navigate social media and real relationships online? I have no idea. <laughs> Trial and error, I guess. I don't know. But I know what the Bible says. I know that friendship is necessary. I know that a friend sticks closer than a brother. I know that we need to be able to confess one to another. I know that's true. And I also know that social media is a real thing. And so let me give you a few little pieces of yellow tape that say caution. I can at least do that. I can give you some tape that says caution on it. Okay. No, in, no particular order. Not only are we in God's family, not only do we need friends, but navigating social media, navigating the internet, navigating this digital age, when doing this, you got to understand that this is a very fragile life that we have. We can be here today. We can be gone tomorrow. It's very fragile. 
Scripture teaches that life is like a mist. It talks about life like a flower. It talks about life like it's super delicate, here now, gone tomorrow. That's how the Bible describes life. If some of you guys are over 20 or over 15, you remember kindergarten. Some of us can remember kindergarten like yesterday. Like, I I feel like I was in sixth grade just yesterday. I can remember what I was wearing. That's gone. I'm never going to be a sixth grader again. I can remember having my first kid 10 years ago. So scared, freaked out, had all this blue stuff on, had these blue Nikes on. Thought I was going to be the cool dad with blue Nikes. I knew that they would give me like the blue doctor uniform or whatever. My wife had a C-section, so I just knew, you know, they were going to give me the blue uniform. So I wanted to have my Nikes matching with the outfit, you know. <laughs> it's like when my son sees me, he can be like, dang, dad's killing him. He's killing him. He looks good. Dad looks good. That's what I was thinking. So stupid. It's like, it's like, should have been the furthest thing from my mind. Like, you're having a kid, bro. You need to figure something out. Shoot. Like yesterday. But life, it's gone. Like, now I'm never going to get that back. It's fragile. So your relationships need to be managed well. How many times have you been at Olive Garden or you've been, you've been at Applebee's? You guys are like, I don't eat at Applebee's. Okay, you've been at Panera Bread or whatever, wherever you go, okay? <laughs> and you see mom on her phone. You see dad sending emails. You see little Johnny. I love little Johnny. You see little Johnny playing video games or and you see teenage Sarah, Snapchat. getting her angles, making sure it's all right, you know. Got a whole family at dinner, and they're not talking. I mean, is this like a weird planet that I've been on? Have you guys seen this? Yeah, you guys have seen this. You see it all the time, right? And you mean to tell me we don't have a problem? We got a problem. This has only been going on for like the past 15 years, people. This social media idea has only been down, been happening for like 30, like a good 30 years, you know, MySpace and all that, you know. (laughs) You remember MySpace? I mean, 25 years, 30 years maybe, and look where we are. Imagine what the next 10 years is going to be. If the body of Christ, the holy priesthood, the, 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 holy, the holy nation, if we don't figure this out, if we don't find our identity in Christ and not in likes, if we don't find our identity in him and approach the internet, approach social media, approach online with wisdom and biblical perspective, We're going to be tossed back and forth. Do you know, I'll end on this, do you know that they have specific engineers that study slot machines 
They study the nuances of people using slot machines in order to manufacture, to, to design, to put the right code in a social media platform so the same results that people get in front of a slot machine, they can get when they're scrolling on their phone. The same dopamine that happens with the slot machine, they're hoping to accomplish with, and I'm not, I'm not pushing for us to ban social media or all social media is getting, that's not social media. You need people to create a market. It's us. We want to be at the dinner table not talking. We want to be at the table not engaged. We don't want to be bothered. And my prayer, my encouragement is that we will find our identity in the family of God that we will take relationships seriously, and if we don't have friends, we start looking for some. We start finding, we start interviewing friends, okay? I need Jesus follower, you gotta like golf. You know, what, listen, whatever you gotta do, but you need friends. And then finally, recognize that this is, this is a fragile time. Tomorrow's not promised, yesterday's far gone. These moments that you're at the dinner table, that you're at school, that, that you're at church, wh wherever you are, with your kid, with your spouse, with your mom, with your dad, whoever it is, recognize that that is going to be gone. So ask God for wisdom. Ask God. I caution you, don't waste that time. And finally, let's not make assumptions. Just because you posted it doesn't mean that they know. So actually get face-to-face -face with real friends and real family members that you actually have and tell the story. Even if you already posted it, tell, just tell them the story. Don't assume that everybody's following your personal branding. 